Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. Welcome to our Taste Test episode, where we sample something fresh from the pop culture buffet, and then we'll tell you what we think. And on this episode of the Taste Test, we sample the morning show currently streaming on Apple TV. Woohoo! So... This is like a double taste test, right? It is. And so I think we both asked these questions of ourselves. What did it taste like for you, Sigs? I would have to compare this to like a charcuterie plate with prosciutto, mm. fine cheeses, firm grapes, paired with a nice white wine, right? The nice. themes are currently on trend, meant to linger and devour, and it's a prestige snack. I mean, <laughs> yes. you've got Reese, Jen Ann. And crude up, yes. right? Jen Ann, that was for you if you're listening, my friend Jago, <laughs> and who's live in San Diego. Jasmine, I love you. Jennifer Aniston, our nickname for her is Jen Ann. That was for you. What did it taste like for love you, Oh my gosh, for me, like also it's prestige, right? Yeah. Like it's prestige television. Mm. And so for me, it felt like a Wagyu beef mm. ball appetizer. That makes me hungry right now. Oh my Compare, gosh, a Wagyu analogy. beef ball appetizer. I can't say mm. that enough. Mm. Well, let me say it one more time, folks. A Wagyu <laughs> beef ball appetizer is what the premiere of season two of the morning show tasted like for me. It was such a meaty opener mm-hmm. for this season. It left me wanting more. And yet at the same time, it was more than just an amuse-bouche. And like an amuse-bouche is very much kind of like crisp, light, mm-hmm. fun, all of that stuff. That's why it's amuse-bouche. But this just made my mouth water. And it had serious flavor and such complexity. So Wagyu beef is like purely marbled, and so you could feel all the different textures and layers in this first episode. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, we can see bunches and bunches of plots that are developing that are going to emerge this season. And I was just left wanting more. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So that's what it tasted like. Was it worth the pop culture calories? Yes. And more so. Like I would have like watched it even more times if I had the time because I have felt so impatient waiting for the next episode. And so they're releasing it weekly, which is fine. But I have to tell you, you and I have gotten into this habit of binge watching and stuff like that. But did they not last year? I think they dropped at least two episodes and then they brought it in. But now, Kuya... Is it the throwback? Are we back into appointment television weekly? Uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, next episode this Friday. And I'm like, no. oh, for freak's sake. No. Right? It's like, I can't binge it all on a Sunday afternoon and into the evening and stuff like that. I can't. So it's like, clearly I have to wait. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I realized that I've been so used to binge watching that I now have to wait, which is fine because it's so funny. We've so been used to appointment television in the past. Mm -hmm. I've had to suddenly relearn how to watch things from week to week, which there is reason to that type of madness, if you will, right? Because you got to sit with it and think about Mm. it and talk about it and have water cooler discussions and have reactions to it instead of binging like seven episodes or something like that. At least, you know, 
when they show these episodes, don't give me a two-minute decompression about the episode. Give me a trailer for the next episode. And don't give me that yes. bullshit madman on the next madman. They're just walking and looking nice. No, give me a little tease. <laughs> give me a little tease. It doesn't matter. I still watch the end. Like the last two episodes, you've watched the end, right? For like the decompression. Yes. And I watch it. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, give yeah, me a little yeah, bit yeah. more. But you also think it's worth the pop culture calorie. I agree. I devoured this plate early on. This is charcuterie. Like this is a la mode. I'll, I'll keep on eating. It's great. And let's be honest. When you said Wagyu like beef ball, you and I both know. If you and I had a plate for this, I'd be like, sa in kuya. Sa in for rice. <laughs> now, where's and, the rice? And then you and I'd be like, Let's bring it on. We'd on it. We'd be using my hands. Totally, with our hands. So what does it remind you in the pop culture buffet? Two things. It reminds me of Network, that movie about like the inner workings of the network with Faye Dunaway, but it also reminds me of HBO's The Newsroom starring Jeff Daniels. A bit more sudsier, right. but again, you know, you know, I love an Aaron Sorkin walk down the hallway and a mess of like script coming out of their mouths. It's a little bit sudsier. Yes, yes. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's wanting me more because it's very current topics. Well, it's really interesting that you're kind of contrasting it with the newsroom. And you're right. An Aaron Sarkin television show is just chock full of dialogue. I don't even know how they memorize that many lines. But I feel that the stories here are told, at least for the morning show, in looks Mm. with each other. And like so much of that story is kind of told in the reaction. Like Jennifer's face and Reese Witherspoon's face is so expressive. They're all so expressive. And it's just like, oh my God, it says so much. Mm -hmm. In terms of what it reminded me in terms of the pop culture buffet, it actually reminded me of the later seasons of The Good Wife. Filled with lots of intrigue, high production value. And you just knew that surprises were sure to abound all over the place. And so I felt like that this first episode of the season two opener was really about setting us up to go through a set of twists and turns Mm -hmm. and to have revelations at the end. Again, very similar to The Good Wife in some of the last and later seasons and stuff like that. What did you appreciate about it? There's a lot of things, and I think you've already led up to that part. You know, this show is up to a challenge. And when they first started filming The Morning Show, it was the Me Too movement, and coincidentally, the Matt Lauer issue was evolving. So they pivoted Mm. appropriately, which works because it's a morning show. Season two started at the beginning of COVID last 2020 in the early – then they had to shut down. So with COVID and Black Lives Matter – will be the point that TMS started filming at the beginning and they had to shut down. So Billy Crudup was on a Sirius XM interview and he was talking about, it goes, it's really hard for the cast to react to whatever history is already shown. So you and I saw it in the first episode, there were so many little things where Daniel said, hey, can we cover this flu thing? The character me is like shaking her head, no, we're not doing it. Then Corey looking flabbergasted at the ticker tape on Hannah's family's suit against UBA and the person behind him sneezing. And then episode two, poor Daniel getting on a plane to Asia. Yes. And you're just like, oh, no. Right. Oh, no. Like, I don't want to go into my other stuff, but like. For that pivots and stuff, what do you appreciate about that? Yeah, I, it's the same, right? Like, I appreciate its currency mm-hmm. and its storytelling. So, again, but first with the currency, the pandemic yes. and the continuing discourse on the Me Too movement and the continuing education on how toxic masculinity has an everlasting impact. Mm-hmm. Just think that it's exactly where it needs to be. It really represents or it is representative of the zeitgeist of this moment. I also know, too, that we're all being set up, as you said, for the end point with the start of the pandemic. And so it's interesting to have flashed forward from season one, eight or nine Mm -hmm. months 
And then the opening montage, you know, you just see empty streets of New York, knowing that it's like, this is the pandemic. This is the start of the pandemic. So we know that we're somewhere from December of 2019, and the story is somehow going to culminate by the time March comes. So there's a lot of storytelling. And then we have to figure out what happened in the nine months that flash forward from season one to season two. So it's like, wow. So like, there's a big gap of time that we're going to have to reconstruct. And yet we know what's coming up. I think that that just creates a lot of intrigue and that we're not being spoon-fed along the way. And I think that that's kind of part of the fun of this show is discovering the missing pieces in the narrative up until this point. It's interesting because if you look at the second episode, Mitch Kessler is in Italy. Of all places, Italy Italy. during COVID, (laughs) right? So you know that like he's got to be displaced to come back. And let's be honest, you said eight months happened. All of a sudden... Bradley's blonde haired. Yes. She hosted like a celebrity bowling show. Yes. And became a prima donna. Right. Very right. quickly. Where did the hard nosed yeah, journalist I'm tired. looking for the yeah. truth? No, I'm not tired. afraid to do to call things out and not play the game. And we here we see her playing the game, yeah. right? So what happened? It makes you ask the question, what happened? And here, and this is me being very cynical and I, I like us bantering on this. Like, okay, can really can Alex really turn out a book that quickly? <laughs> <laughs> and when you saw her in Maine chopping wood, why wasn't Bradley on the cover of Time with her as a whistleblower? Right. Like, was there talk of right. complicity? And, like, you and I both know, on the Time cover, it was all the whistleblowers. Yes. Meanwhile, it should have been, like, Rose McGowan should have been on the cover, but meanwhile, it was Taylor Swift. That's another story. Uh, right? That's another okay. story. And then Mark Duplass, the chip black character, starting a new life. And actually, his fiance is Katie yes. Asselton, who's actually is his wife playing wow. that. But <laughs> you're going to have to agree with me on these two points coming up here. Greta Lee playing Stella Bat. Her roles have changed. Yes. If you don't know Stella Lee, she's played in comedies. She was in Sisters with Amy Schumer, not Amy Schumer, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, Inside yes. Amy Schumer, Russian Doll, the other two. The role she played in Sisters was an Asian nail technician. Right. Played right. for the stereotypes. Now, I'm not dissing Paula Pell who wrote it, but she's playing a role and there's just an evolution because Greta Lee was interviewed and she is basically taking over the role of Corey Ellison. So she's like the head, the president of producing the show. Right. right? Yeah, and so it's great to see an Asian woman exactly. take over the management role of the entire news network and how great is is that and yet it's interesting like there was that one scene in the first episode where oh you're so young oh i wish you had ah. had your skin and stuff like that and, and she it was just like bulleted. wow that's so interesting Micro. right like you knew that that was purposely in there to kind of again show not only just like problems with sexism but also problems with race and stereotypes in Age this isn't, particular yeah. case race right so, exactly yeah. and then obviously you and i both watched the chair and i'm surprised we haven't put it on a taste test holland mm. taylor Popping out out of nowhere, being like, I'm normally in a pissy mood, but I piss everywhere with Corey Ellison. (laughs) True actor. I love seeing her. I want them to fight more. If they're going to fight more, I'm pissing comment was so fantastic. I'm fighting more. And let's be honest Corey Ellison is a train wreck of a man. When he was singing Sondheim Mm. last season with Jen Ann and bring up, I want more of that. But I would like Mm. to tell you if we're jumping back and forth, and you are very much an Apple user, I have a technical mistake. Mm. I would like you to notice if you look at Reese Witherspoon's phone, there are three lenses on the phone. Oh, right. So can you tell me when three lenses were on a phone is that an iphone 13 pro or does the iphone 12 have three lenses i can't remember now but if the iphone 
12 has, I'm just looking this up really quick. Because it really quickly. bugged me, and I'm like, I'm going to ask Jez when we do this taste yeah, test. Yeah, because the iPhone 13 has three lenses. That's right. right. And so that is a continuity error for sure. Or maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I saw it quickly and there was two lenses, but I was like, hold no, on. I Did you see that three lenses? Now, right? Because like the yeah. phone was a pivotal part of that particular scene during yeah. New Year's Eve and stuff like that. So that is Just a keep that up. But I was just like, Apple, you should do better. I get it. You're on Apple TV. Everyone's going to use yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, perhaps we might be wrong on I that. I could but be I'm, wrong. Unless it was the iPhone 12 Pro. Maybe. Perhaps it has. Yeah. Maybe, but, it just, but I have to kind of look yeah. that over. I didn't really catch that the first time. So No, I almost called you because like, <laughs> when is this technical mistake? Is this right? And I could be wrong, listeners, and please forgive me. But I saw that. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, so the iPhone 12 Does have three? Pro has three okay, lenses. Okay, fine. I'll give them a pass. So it could be the iPhone 12, right? Okay. But it was very blatant because I'm like, hold on. Yeah. Maybe I'm just sublimating because on Thursday I'm getting a new phone. So <laughs> I'm jealous. Uh, my contract's <laughs> up. But anyway, I don't want this this way. Was there anything else that you really appreciated about the show? What else did I appreciate about this show? I think what I appreciate is, is that it's making us think. Like it right. wants us to think between episodes. Good for you. It's prestige television, but it's going to be prestige television that I have to think about from week to week. And I'm like, okay. I can think about this and it'll be kind of percolating in the back of my head up until Friday and then consume the next episode. Would you sample it again? I mean, we're both watching season two, right? And we just complained about like, come on, they're not dropping it. (laughs) Well, and in terms of our like last question to take us out on this taste test, you know, to whom would you recommend it to? Of course, anyone that's watched season one, I'd say, I think you're going to love this season if you haven't already started it. How about you say? I concur. And Billy Crudup needs to get another Emmy or Golden Globe for it. It's great. It's fantastic. We love it. I love Jen Ann. Jen Ann. But I would really like to see the storyline of Steve Carell. And maybe, Kuya, maybe it'll be something that we talk about the podcast. I have asked you before, how does someone, it's not about redemption, how does someone really learn a lesson? Especially if something as serious as what he had done. What, yeah. what would that story arc be? So maybe this will be something that we talk further. Yeah. yeah, initial thoughts are authentic accountability and responsibility taking. So Let's see if yeah. that's portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Take us out, Sigs. All right. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would like to make a point that Siggy, the iPhone 12 Pro, has three lenses, email us at <laughs> Hollow Hollow Pop Culture. Hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. The Hollow Hollow Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. We encourage you download us, rate us, leave a review. You can find us on Twitter, our handles at Hollow Hollow Pop, and on Instagram at Hollow Hollow Pop Culture. Finally, we receive editorial <laughs> feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chelteringen. And if you're going to come for Siggy, do it nicely, is all I got to say. So we'll see all of you guys again soon in two weeks. <laughs> Thank you. See you guys soon. <laughs>